This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Casey Cheshire. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs' Organization, this is Leadership in Action. Hey folks, welcome to another riveting episode of Leadership in Action. Who am I? I'm not Casey Cheshire. My name is Mark Stiles, and I'll be hosting this episode of Leadership in Action. And guess what? Today's guest is a member of EO, a selfless volunteer who's been on the board and done many amazing things for his EO chapter and his forum. He's a podcast host. He's a speaker. He's a thought leader. He's a marketeer. He's an unbelievable human being. But he's also the founder and CEO of Ringmaster, a podcast producing company. Casey Cheshire, welcome to the show, my man. Mark, thanks so much for having me on here. Killer introduction. I'm so excited you're hosting. So was it good enough? Yeah, man, that was great. Because, folks, I want you to understand, like, I feel like I'm in a tryout session right now because the master... <laughs> The student is, is interviewing the master. So let's get right into it, Casey. The way this podcast works is there is always the first question, and we're going to get right into it. And we're going to bust myths, right? We want to bust the myth for all entrepreneurs, all budding entrepreneurs, all folks that want to get out there and become entrepreneurs. What is the common misconception about leadership or running a business and about being an entrepreneur? Go ahead. You don't need to talk to your customers. That's it, man. Yeah, I, I have spent 10 years hiding behind marketing automation, technology, and we can invent all sorts of cool things. We can repaint our offices 30 times to try to avoid this one thing, which is talking to our freaking customers. And, and it took me so long to get into this, but man, this is the thing that I can't wait to just pick apart with you because it's that one thing that if you just start talking to them, you learn everything you need to know. Your marketing's better. Your delivery's better. Your service is better. Your product's better. Your accounting's better. You get paid faster. Everything happens and it's magic. You just need to talk to them. Well, let's talk about that then, Casey. Yeah. Are people actually saying you don't need to talk to your customers or are people avoiding talking to their customers? You know, I haven't heard anyone openly say it, but it, it feels like over time we've gone from those old mad men days where marketers and, and advertisers and you know, you're you're talking to your customers you had them in these chairs and you're feeding them your your sandwich and you're and you're and you're asking them questions right we were constantly asking them questions we were constantly in touch with them and even even entrepreneurs ourselves at the very beginning we were probably the one doing the service so of course we were talking to them we're talking to them every day but the challenge gets when you start building that self-managing company, right? Dan Sullivan's happy. EOS is happy. EO is happy. But what ends up happening is you, you begin building yourself more and more away and you obfuscate that voice of the customer. You get away from the voice. You don't actually know what they're saying anymore. To the point where when you have a really good organization with a sexy looking org chart, you don't really regularly talk to them anymore at all because you know sales is slapping your hand no no i got this deal or you have a sales manager you don't need to interrupt them and then operations well you know you hopping in kind of interrupts the flow we don't need you to come in here so often and so everyone's kind of like doing their thing and, and and you and we all hear this thing that sometimes as ceos we 
we hop in too much or we hop in the wrong way and it just distracts everyone. So we don't want that. But then again, how do we talk to their customer, right? All those roles have been, have been taken away from us. And then, you know, especially in, on our department level side, you know, as a marketer, I spent years building marketing automation and technology and all these different tools to track clicks and, and views. You could even see, you could, this is crazy. You can see where they're scrolling on your website. You can see where their mouse is, where they're scrolling, what they're reading. And then if they hit a, you know, chat with me, you can chat with them. But part of that, you can, you can watch them, secretly watch them like you're in the CIA or something, never actually talking to them. And you're supposed to extract a bunch of takeaways from that. How do you extract takeaways? How do you understand what keeps them up at night? How do you know what kind of marketing they're really looking for? What product or service they're really looking for? You don't. So slowly and steadily, you lose vision as a CEO. And then your stuff starts to suck. It starts to get weak. It gets wimpy. And guess what? Those young upstart other competitors of yours who are still talking to their customers start slowly eating your lunch. So how do you know when that's starting to happen? Because as entrepreneurs, right, we're scaling up, we're adding skulls, we're adding new team members, we're building and we're automating and we're efficient and we're operationally sound. Where do you even have time to meet with those folks? Where do you have time to sit down and have a meaningful conversation with them? Right. And then that adds to the challenge is, okay, maybe I want to talk to my customers. How do I do it? We had this problem in marketing just as much as I've had it as a CEO. Is there a mechanism? And we'll get to it. There is a mechanism to be able to do that. But, but some of the warning signs that this is happening to you, especially as your company's growing, like you're not even going to notice this is happening but slowly and steadily. You're going to lose uh, vision. And I've definitely been in the situation where my company did great. We literally doubled. We've added millions, you know, all these amazing things. And it looks great on paper. But then as the, as the leader, when you start finding your own vision, uh, getting weaker and weaker, you just don't feel as passionate about it. Oftentimes it's because you're just not connected to the person that's experiencing the pain. You're not as connected to the person who you could really be helping in a genuine way. And so oftentimes that passion starts to leave and that vision starts to go. And what ends up happening is other people start presenting passion for you. They start doing your visionary role in your stead. And then you're just kind of along for the ride and you become like the king or queen of England or something where you're like blessing the situation, but you're not ever really impacting it. And now you're not really leading anymore. So that can definitely happen. And the other thing is the voice. If you're in a quarterly meeting, Jeff Bezos is famous for this. They'd leave a chair empty in the room. And that was the, you know, the chair for the customer. And they're like, the customer's in the room. Who's going to speak on their behalf? Who's going to be their advocate? Who's going to be their counsel, right? You know, ideally, the CEO is the, is the one thinking about them. Uh, hopefully, the whole organization's thinking about them. But if the CEO is mindful of like, this is, you know, I, I'm going to be the voice from, they wouldn't like this or they would like this. Well, if you don't actually know, if you haven't talked to them in a while, you're guessing. And, and the, the worst thing that can happen is when you're, your gut is uninformed, right? You're all gung-ho about something or this is terrible. Customer hate this. But you don't actually know because you haven't kept feeding your gut. Your gut was super strong in the beginning, but it's hungry right now. You haven't fed it. And so it starts being weak and wimpy and you start making the wrong decisions and you'll see it in the stats. You'll see it in the sales because the customers are going to realize you don't actually know what we're doing. Let's dig into that 5%, Casey. Yeah. Did you experience this? Hell yeah. 
hell yeah, I'm not making this stuff up. <laughs> this Explain. is absolutely experience with my last company. It was one of those things where, you know, and I, and I love the customer. And I, I guess most of the only times I would see them would be at like a conference an event or something like that, which is just never enough time because we're all running around trying to, you know, do the things. So I, I always enjoyed those times. I enjoyed those sit downs over some coffee or some, you know, freshly squeezed orange juice, whatever, you know, whatever gets them to have a conversation with me. And I remember one time meeting at a Starbucks because I was on a trip to Atlanta and I met in a Starbucks and it was this one customer and they had this interesting sale where they had to meet with doctors and, and not all doctors were the same for them, but their product was really cool. I didn't really understand their product and I didn't really understand what their challenge was in one five minute conversation, you know, before, after grabbing, you know, we ordered it and it hasn't shown up yet. And in that time we're chatting, I learned more about their company, how we could serve them in the future deals and the future you know, referrals and, and I'll actually how to fix their challenge all in that little five minute convo waiting to get the coffee I bought them. Right. And it was just like, Holy crap, this is amazing. But I, I'd love to have more of these sessions where I can talk to people. And that's not something you are going to get on the telephone. That's not something you're going to get through email. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that goes to the challenge of, you know, and, and I experienced this as a, as a marketer too, where you tell your marketing team, Hey, you know, get, get in touch, right. You're kind of delegating this voice thing to your marketing team and they don't really know how to do it either. Okay. I guess we'll get them on a call, but sometimes people feel like you need a purpose to be on the phone with someone. And then if the purpose is maybe a case study, well, maybe they'll say no, but the real trick is what if, what if there wasn't a purpose? Some of my best sales calls were just saying like, how have you been? Let's just mm -hmm. have a conversation. Let's just talk. Right. And, and I don't need a case study out of this. Let's just have a conversation, but it's really hard to, to get your team or even sometimes ourselves to say, let's just have a conversation. Let's just have a sit down. And I, I think, yes, having that in-person thing is so much better. You can, you can get there virtually as well, but you just need some kind of mechanism. So solutions oriented is what we are, right? So you start to see the warning signs, your vision's getting diluted. You know, you don't feel passionate about it. What do you do? You start a podcast, right? Start ah, a podcast. There we go. That's what it is. And, and what is a podcast? Uh, there's that word. It comes up a lot, right? Is this a Joe Rogan thing? A podcast is just a medium for, for distributing information, right? And this happens to be sharing a, a audio video conversation with other people, right? It's like what we're doing right now is we're having a conversation and we both know that we're actually going to be sharing this with everyone else later, which makes us both feel good. But that, that's all really a podcast is, is having a conversation and then sharing it with other people. And there are cool ways of doing that. And you can edit things and call in lightning, right? You, you can evoke your producer's name and ask for lightning and it'll happen. But, but more importantly, it's, it's this one-on-one -on -one conversation that we're having. Um, but we know that there's a, there's a purpose that comes out of it, which is, you know, your message gets shared. You, you get to be put on a pedestal or finally people hear your voice and understand what you're thinking about and your passions. So it, it's like a conversation with a purpose. And it really creates a connection, right? So, so there's a lot of stuff from podcasting, but in the end, it's like, have a conversation. And I found myself, even if you're the most extroverted person ever, it's a great excuse, I guess, if you need one, say the word excuse, it's a great reason to get on the phone with someone. Hey, let's report, record a podcast together. Cool. What are we going to talk about? We'll talk work. We'll talk shop. We'll talk about life. We'll talk about 
hiking, beer, whatever, but like, let's connect. And so I think half the enjoyment for the people listening is hearing two people connecting and learning from each other. So let's dig into this a little bit because, yeah. you know, obviously you and I both are passionate about this and I want to yes. share that passion with other people. Let's talk about the value for B2B conversation alternative, right? So let's play this out. I'm your customer yep. and you want to bring me onto a podcast. Let's role play it. Yeah. It, and, and the magic is in that targeting, right? Is understanding who you invite on. If you invite on your ideal customer, and this happened to me accidentally. I was chatting in my marketing podcast with just some really great marketing leaders. And one of them after the recording said to me, oh, by the way, we're migrating from Marketo to Pardot. And Pardot was exactly what my last company specialized in. So I was like, holy crap, like that's what we do. We can help you with that. And she was like, great. Saves me the trouble of finding someone I trust. I trust you. We just spent like an hour and a half together. This is fantastic. But, and we got our sales teams together or, you know, her team, my team it wasn't really even a sales cycle. It's like, well, let's do business. We're, we're friends now. Let's, let's connect and let's get right. this done. And so it was like, it was the, the purest sale, right? There was no used car salesman involved. It was two people really respect each other, begun to trust each other, got their teams to do the same. And, and so you can recreate that magic. And that was what, that was my first aha. When that happened to me accidentally, I thought, what happens if you make that on purpose? And so that magic is in the targeting where I then went and I said, okay, who are my dream clients? And this is not even something to, to waste on. Oh, here's a nice to have. This is a, these would be dream clients. They would have no reason to hop on a sales call with me, right? Or they're probably always saying no to sales calls this particular decision maker or the CEO of this company that would be a dream client, but I know we could help them. Well, you invite that person to be a guest on your podcast and you make it all about them. They're the rock star, but you learn from them as well. And, and oftentimes in those podcasts, you can ask them questions, buyer persona questions. You can ask them, Hey, what keeps you up at night? You know what, what's got you bothered? You know what? Now you don't ask that first, right? So there's some, there's some work to this where you don't just throw out your EO 5% questions at people, right? There's a certain order to it, but, but given the right order, people will answer anything. So you'll get your dream client to come on the phone with you, chit chat for an hour even. And I've got my show up to an hour and a half now. They'll chit chat for you for quite a while. They'll tell you all their challenges. They'll tell you what they're looking for. And guess what? You'll make some friends out of it. I actually had um, a, a dream client end up saying, hey, I'm actually in New Hampshire every now and then. Next time, and I go, I like to go hiking. Next time I'm up there, I want you to come hiking with me and my friends. I was like, hell yeah, I will. Then we did. Two weeks ago, we actually went hiking together. And it was just, just like one of those things where it, it, it reinvigorated me as the CEO, where now I'm connecting with customers. And many of them are coming over and doing business with us. And the ones that don't have maybe an immediate need, man, I'm learning so much about them. Just like that coffee shop says spending five minutes with someone, I just spent an hour with someone and I can really truly be the voice of that customer in the board meeting, in the quarterly EOS meeting. I, I, can, I can advocate for them now. And I also, now my head is full of vision again, right? It's like, well, I got to create this. So this is the problem that really is driving the bonkers. You know, and if you talk to three or four or five guests and guess what, if you have a weekly show, that's 52 dream client conversations in a year. If you talk to all those people, man, you're going to see the patterns. Wow. All these people mentioned this. They, they didn't mention that at all. They're all having an issue with this. And I know it, right. So you start putting that magic together like we do as entrepreneurs. 
And then you're building back that passion, that vision, bringing yeah. it back to the team, sharing it with the team, putting that empty chair in the conference room and doing all that you want to do. So how do you, how do you convince that dream client to come on your show? Yeah, good question. Um, there's a lot of things that around that, but really want to be real, real and simple. Um, for my shows and my team, we never use automation for that. Right. So it's kind of funny, like Mr. Automation spent 10 years automating emails and nurturing right. all that. No automation. Right. So this is got to be a this is a one to one thing. This is not your scalable machine gun of 30,000 leads. This is like you pick those those key whale clients that might change your quarter. Right. So you pick those you handpick those. You know what? Send them a note on LinkedIn. Hey, um, you're you know, you're a leader in X, Y and Z. Love what you're doing. I saw your recent blog post. Love to interview, learn from you on my show. It's X, Y, and Z, right? And don't, don't then direct them to your marketing funnel here. You know, click this form to fill out my funnel and, and be entered to win. It's like, no, people can smell marketing like that from miles away. This is meant to make them feel like either the host or the producer from ABC, you know, the morning show is reaching out saying, you're special. I want to interview you. And I think there's a quote that really... It stood out for me. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Dan Sullivan, strategic coach. We go up to Toronto once a quarter. And he's got this great quote where he says, everyone's competing for your attention, but no one's competing to give you attention. Mm. And, I, and I've seen that play out so much times, right? So, so many times we're playing these games where we're saying, give me your attention, give me your attention, customer, right? And this goes back to even, well, give me your attention so I can have a case study. Give me your attention so I can have your time. It's like we're taking their time. And I think that's why we, we always felt bad about it and we didn't necessarily want to do it because we realized I'm taking your time. I'm not really giving anything in, in response to that. Maybe I'm giving you a t-shirt, a hoodie with my company's name on it. Like, I feel like I'm getting more than you are out of this. But when you make it a podcast, it's mutual. They're getting featured at, in as, almost like a leader's top 40 under 40 or you know the, the people to watch in this industry. They're getting featured. That helps their company, their career, everything. That helps them, but it helps you because you learn about the customer, maybe make a connection, maybe make a customer out of it. Chances are they get it. They understand it. They're going to bring this to their PR department and their marketing department yeah. and say, share this. This is this is me telling my story. This is amazing. Well, Casey, it seems a little overwhelming for the average person. What Help us understand what goes into doing this, right? We all have our daily uh, routines, our daily uh, activities. This is kind of a big undertaking. Talk to me about that. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be. You can take it to the next level for sure. There are lots of moving pieces and parts to it, but even just the idea of writing down who are three, first of all, who are three customers you currently have that you like, or would like to like, you'd like to know more about, and you always start with people that actually know you and your company. Maybe they're happy with your, what you do. And you invite those people to have a conversation with you on a Zoom, just like this, right? There's no magic TV crew here. It's just you and me on a Zoom recording it. And we've got some fancy mics and that's okay. You know, you can add those later. But in the end, it's like, start with people you know, get some customers in there. And you know what? You'll be surprised. Plan out a few questions in advance. And then you start shifting from the customers you have to the customers you don't have yet. And ones you want to get in there. So there's a little work that goes into the idea of launching it. Um, the idea of what do I call it right now with this particular kind of podcasting, I've been talking all about left and right. I call it connection casting. 
connection casting because it's all about the connection because some people get persuaded or, or distracted by vanity metrics. How many clicks did I get? How many impressions did I get? I just, just did a marketing podcast with someone else who, who talked about how impressions don't feed your family, right? These vanity metrics aren't going to close you deals. They're, they're high level. It may not be the right impression, the right view. So views, likes, clicks, that's not what it is about. What it's about is that guest, the guest you have on the show. And if it's all about the guest, your ROI is a very easy calculation. I brought 52 guests on. I had some great intimate conversations with these guys. How many of them converted? There you go. And then there's so many other metrics around it, all the brand you're going to get, the exposure, all of those people referring you to their friends. So there's a lot of things that you can overcomplicate it, but really comes down to who do I want to talk to? What do I want to ask them? So if you think about that, who do I want to talk to? What do I want to ask them? Then you're, you're well on your way. So you're not building a community. You're not competing with Joe Rogan. You're simply creating another path for business development. Well, in, eventually you end up building a community of your listeners and your guests. And I actually have a private Slack channel for all my, my marketing guests from the marketing podcast. And it's a really fun back channel where we can all learn from each other. So you eventually build these things. But to your point, right, the point is the guest. The point is the guest. It's not about the views. And honestly, that's where Rogan started, actually. He started with being a ridiculous idiot with his friends and having fun. And people actually just enjoyed hearing that. And that took off. So it wasn't like he just, he was like, I'm going to do this thing and sell a $100 million sponsorship. He was like, I'm going to have fun with this, right? So if you make the goal, I'm going to have a conversation with an amazing ideal customer and maybe make a friend out of it and a relationship and maybe some business. It's a great goal. It's a great goal. So your new company that your CEO and founder ringmaster marketing, what do they do to help us create podcasts? Yeah, everything, everything. So uh, the first part is the launch, right? It's like, what do you call it? What do you call your show? It's important. It's important. And the number one reason for your name or the number one goal for your name is to get your guests to come on the show. That's actually the real reason for your name. And so if you make it too artistic, they may not know what it's about. So there's a fine balance. So coming up with a name, coming up with a script, the kind of questions you ask, right? All the artwork and the intros and the outros and some of the AV stuff. So getting you set up so that you sound like a million dollars, because again, it's not necessarily that you need to sound like a million dollars for yourself, but to inspire the head of marketing automation at Amazon to come join you on your podcast, you probably should sound like a podcast they'd be proud to be on, right? So you need to have that high production value. So there's some prep in the launch work to get you ready. And then when it comes to production, my team actually will go out and get the guest for you. So you tell us, here's a hundred dream clients. Your producer actually goes and gets them for you, gets them on your show, and then schedules them up, gets you prepped in advance, and away you go. And they'll do the production as well. And they'll, they'll do social media as well around that. But you as a host, and, and this was my ex experience, I didn't have time to do all the things, right? You can get someone to Fiverr and get someone over here and get an intern over there. But now you got to stitch it all together and you got to check on them and make sure things are happening. Maybe they don't know the latest, greatest, or they, they're not listening to 30 of these things. So they don't know what good sounds like. And so the, your producer is actually going to give you uh, training tips and advice and recommendations. Hey, consider asking a question a little differently next time to really get the best answer from your guest, right? So all these things are going to happen so that all you have to do as the host is just show up for a prep call and then show up for a show and everything else is handled. 
I can't wait for my my notes from today's uh, conversation from Liam. I cannot wait. But so you're pressing the easy button. You've basically taken all of the aggravation and all of the headaches away and said, sit down, do a prep call. It's already formatted for you. Ask and get the customer slash guest prepared and ready to go. And then in your calendar will be the time to hit record. And boom, we've set up the top-notch sales call for you, right, for this prospect that you're going to dig down, get vulnerable, and become friends with. And then Ringmaster is going to button it up with a ribbon and send it out to the world, including that customer who's going to be dazzled, would we say? Would dazzled be the correct word for that one? Yeah, honored, dazzled, thankful, grateful. Honestly, that's the best reaction you get is from giving your time and your attention to someone else's, they're just grateful for it. And it's a, it's a great way to start a relationship, especially partner relationship, partner relationship, customer relationship, um, even employees. I've interviewed, you know, employees on, and it's great. You just get, you're giving your attention to someone else. And as a reward, you're reigniting that vision as a CEO. I love it. You're learning, you're learning, always be learning. Casey, uh, thank you for teaching us this, but let's talk about you a little bit. Oh yeah. Who's Casey? Where are you from? How'd you get here? What's your evolution? Oh man, I, I don't know. Uh, who am I, right? It's take me back in time, little Casey days. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I just, I grew up, um, you know, in New Hampshire and I was always a little bit of a, a little bit of a nerd and a little bit of a, a theater guy, you know, and I remember doing magic shows on the front porch of my house, you know, kids would, Hey, can you give us a magic show? Uh, but there's always a little bit entrepreneur in me as well saying, Oh, I could, I could do birthday parties. You know, I could make some money at this, you know, this is Love pretty it. interesting. And I remember actually having a binder when I was, I don't know, like 10, it was a binder. And every time I do a show, I would fill out this. It was almost like an after action of like, okay, the day of the show, you know, did I use any expendable items that need to be replaced? You know, that cost money, you know, how many was in the audience? What tricks did I do? Did I learn anything from that? Why did I do that? Where did I get that from? I have no idea, but it was like really kind of cool. And then was I paid money? How much, you know, stamped it with a paid stamp? Cause why not? Um, but I was always kind of, <laughs> you know, doing the fun things and trying new things, but also, you know, that, that element of maybe we could sell this was always sort of mixed in there. Wow. That's awesome. And you were tracking metrics back then and you didn't even know you were doing it. So let's talk from magician to ringmaster. Yeah. Right. So kind of crazy, just always trying to find my spot. I think it was always that searching for, you know, what, what am I passionate about? And so I've, I've tried so many things and, you know, started so many little companies and tried different things out. Um, but, you know, in school, it was like computer science and also communications because always two sides of me. There was the, the communicative side, but also that analytical, the coder, the web developer, that kind of person. Mm-hmm. And so just trying things out. Uh, but eventually after getting out of school, it, it became time to join the military because my, my dad had been in that. And, but I, I actually sort of never envisioned joining the Marines because I thought they were crazy. They probably are. Um but I ended up joining the Marines because I, I got a free helicopter flight one day. And I heard free helicopter flights at St. A's College in, in New Hampshire. And I thought, I, I want to ride a helicopter for free. That sounds great. And so I show up and I remember being in the, the quad, this beautiful green grass. It was like summertime. I'm just sort of standing there. 
and this giant black hawk just comes out of nowhere and lands right in the middle of the quad and i'm just like whoa this is amazing it's like so loud and and it's you know the power of it just right there landing um and then i i go to get in the back they're like no get in the front nice okay and so i get in get in the front seat and there's this um badass pilot female marine corps pilot up front and she's like buckle up you know i put the headset on so i can we can talk to each other and we lift off and fly all around manchester new hampshire and and it was just surreal and then eventually i don't remember the rest right it was just awesome but that was the marines and that was marketing that was lead gen so now they have my information and so eventually they're like hey come on in let's try this thing out and initially i actually wasn't in shape and in college i was doing the theater thing the um party thing so i was just out of shape and they were initially told me no they told me um everyone else wanted me like oh army will take you and pay you extra money marine corps was like we're not gonna pay you extra money probably won't get the job you want and we don't want you wow. <laughs> i was like you don't want me so i just spent the whole summer uh running you know the rocky theme song kind of thing and got in shape and they're like okay all right let's talk and put an application in and was able to join the marine corps which is really cool really cool experience um what year was that 2006 wow all right so so yeah. graduated college and went into officer candidate school or you know well it was it was there's a long twisted journey around that but yeah i did a couple jobs out of school and that was just it wasn't quite enough and so then yeah i went to the marine corps actually enlisted and went to boot camp even though i'd gone to college um went to boot camp and went to the reserves um, and just had a had a crazy time there. Um, but then after I got back, I was able to take some jobs and do a lot of traveling. And that's where I started doing marketing. And eventually, that's where my first EO company came from, was just having a lot of time, being like a 90% traveling trainer, having some extra downtime. I just started doing marketing projects on the side. And then eventually, that turned into a whole marketing agency. Cool. Tell me about the military quickly about organizational. Did that help you? in that part of your world did the to the military you know um not not always it's got some great branding got it <laughs> things well, aren't always marketing. organized great marketing, great marketing too marketing. they dropped the helicopter right into the quad I yeah love it. great marketing um you know i what i learned a lot uh from the military one of the ones is just to appreciate freedom right and not in sort of like a generic way but like in a personal way which is when you're in the military you're you don't own your schedule right? So you need to be here at this time. If you're not, bad things happen to you. You know, bad things meaning you lose rank, which is losing pay, which is eventually losing your own freedom, which is going to jail, right? So you actually have to be where they tell you, right? Um, which is like you're a kid again or something, but even worse. And so you, ha you have to go certain places, you have to do certain things. And so you sort of surrender to that. You, you understand that, that, you're not on a schedule. You're not clocking in or clocking out. Like they own you for several years. So you're just in it. Um, and I always just remembered seeing people that weren't in that. And if they wanted to go visit family, some other place or fly here, fly there, they could. If I had a weekend pass, you have the weekend and you have to be back on time. And it was, you know, it was not an ideal vacation, right? But you always made the most of it. So I just always appreciated the, the ability to like right now, if we want to drive some, if I want to drive to the beach right now, I literally can, I might have to cancel a few meetings, but you can do that. Right. And so um, it just really helped me appreciate that and, and helped me appreciate uh, the good times because it, really it helped desensitize you to all the bad things 
but then it also helps you really appreciate all the good things. Wow. So you see the military as the anti entrepreneur, right? Now the entrepreneur has that, that freedom to do what he wants to do. And now you are running the circus, right? You're the ringmaster yeah. of the podcast circus. What would you tell young Casey who is doing his magician act out on his, his steps? What advice would you give that kid that would have helped you avoid certain obstacles or time sucks. Yeah. I think, I think I was always going after certain positions and I, I mean, I almost became a fighter pilot. There's all sorts of weird, interesting stories, great EO beer stories. I can't wait to share yeah. with other, yourself and other people. Um, but in the end, it, the advice I would give the younger self is to really look at what you're passionate about. Right. And, and where, where does that passion and expertise overlap? You're passionate about something so much so that you can't help but research and learn about it. And, and, and there were, there were marks of that throughout my, my life early on, but I was just sort of oblivious to him. I just sort of just was going with it, which was fine, but to be able to take a step back and to say, Hey, you're wow. You learned HTML in the car on a road trip with your parents. Maybe this is a thing like you should go, go, you know, keep going with it. Um, and computer science, cool, but not as passionate about that. While in, in college, I, you know, I launched our, or I, I took our college theater company to like new heights, right? Got us on a stage, professional stage and all these other things. And I got us online ticket sales. And I, <laughs> funny story, I remember seeing a binder, um, my binders from college. And one of them was this thin one. It was from linear algebra. And it was basically cryptic alien coded signatures on there, right? It's like, I can't even decipher it now. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, how did I ever learn this? This is right. really hard. And the other, and it was this thin, maybe half inch binder. The other binder was one of those giant, like three, four inch binders, giant spiral with tons of paper in it. And that was my binder as the, the president of the, of the Riviera theater company. And that's where, and so I was like, I was devoting the, the time. I was passionate about that, the business and the, thea the theatrical side, but the, the business side, I was really in on that, right? And I, I was innovating on that. So my, my thought to my younger self is pay attention to your binder size, you know, which binder is, is the one you should go with. And if that binder over there, that's the big one, go with that. Like what more can you, can you devote to that? How much more can you invest of your time into that? Or just give yourself permission. Yeah. It fit, drop out of the algebra class, go to the big binder, right? Now, I still sort of paid the bills and made sure I, you know, got some of those other classes done. But looking back, they're kind of a waste of time. Um, so I, I would just go, go full in on the big binder. That's fascinating. But what do you say to the person or that inner critic that says, yeah, but passion's great, but that's got to be a hobby. I mean, I need a way to make money. 100%. Yep. I think you need to do that once right? You need to make money once to give yourself enough time and abundance so that you can build that hobby into a career. I think that it just needs to happen once, uh, you know, school is a great testing ground. Okay. You don't really need to do anything other than go to these classes sort of, and test out your entrepreneurial side, right. Or whatever you're passionate about. So you're right. You got, you got to feed yourself. And so the the better you can do with some of these subjects so that you can land yourself a job that pays you enough to be comfortable so that you get out of that scarcity mindset. Cause I think that mm. fear thing can also hold back your hobby, right? If, if you're in a state of scarcity, 
um, and every you're counting every nickel and penny, then yeah, your hobby is a waste of your time. You should be going out getting more money from your boring job that you hate, right? So it, instead of innovating, it, but if you got a little bit of a cushion because you went to stupid algebra class and passed it somehow, thank, thank <laughs> God, then if that buys you a little bit of a cushion in the windows, you're like, yeah, I got some money. And you can start devoting some time and attention to the real thing. I think that's, that's the way to go about it. So what other passions are you working with these days? What are you, what are you doing outside of Ringmaster? Hiking, hiking. Yeah. Ah, cool. Tackling those 48 peaks in New Hampshire that are above 4,000 feet. Nice. Where are you in the process? 29. We're at 29 right now. Nice. All the way to the top. All the way, man. My former mate Varun has been going with me and it's been great because we have these like EO conversations on the hike, you know? So it's cool. almost like, uh, you know, you get the 5% and you get a workout and yeah, it kicks your butt and Varun's a a absolute athlete. So he's just running up the mountain. You know, I'm like chasing behind him. That's funny. During COVID, you know, some of our referral partners, it's, you know, you're not having lunch, you're not meeting in the conference room. We were doing trail hikes. You know, let's, let's walk and talk. Let's go walk and talk and see what we can do with it. Casey, this has been amazing, you know, and I'm so grateful for you asking me to work with you on this and looking forward to an amazing future of talking with a lot of other folks like yourself, but your company is, is fantastic. And I want to talk to those folks who are out there listening to this saying, you know, I would like to do this. I would like to have my own B2B podcast, but it seems overwhelming. How do people connect with you? Sure. Easy peasy. Uh, Casey, C-A-S-E-Y at ringmaster.com. That's the way to do it. Uh, websites ringmaster.com. There's all sorts of links to shows that are on there. Um, it's, it's just, it's such an awesome thing that I, I'm in that passion zone, right? I'm in the big binder right now. I'm working with the binder. I'm on fire. I've got the vision. I'm talking to customers. So yeah, if I can help anyone in any way, you know, EO conversations, experience shares, they don't have to be sales calls, but just whatever experiences I can share about what not to do. My marketing podcast now has over close to 300 episodes. I've learned a lot of painful lessons, as I'm sure you have as well with your, your awesome show uh, that I had a chance to be on. So, you know, we've learned a lot of things and I'm just happy to share those learning lessons with everyone else. With everyone else. You're so passionate. You will speak to anybody who's listening yes. to this right now. I love that. I love that. Casey, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your experience, all of what you've shared with us today, because I think it is truly valuable. I want to thank our audience. Why? Because you're listening. And thank you for listening. And I hope our editor cuts that pregnant pause. But if he doesn't, it's even better. Because this is episode zero for me. Hey, you real quick. I think it's even better if he doesn't cut it because I, I couldn't be happier that this show is, it, it, you know, you're not just hosting this episode, but like multiple episodes, you're the new host of the show. I, I, I'm honored and I couldn't be happier to, to hand the baton over to you to, uh, to you know, interview folks on this EO podcast. Well, I hope that I can fill these shoes accordingly. And I am very excited. I'm really excited to experience the ringmaster process as well, because it really feels like it's the easy button compared to what I've been doing up until now. But again, Casey, thank you so much for joining. Folks, this has been another exciting episode of Leadership in Action. We will see you all next time. Leadership in Action is sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. 
As the world's only peer-to-peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs, EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.